welcome back everybody to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. My name is Bethany Pedigo. I'm here with my friend Rod Ellis. And today we are interviewing two of our very favorite people on the whole planet. Yep. And I mean that, the whole planet. Craig and Heather Bitterling from Arts Alive are with us today. Yay! Yay! No kidding. We are so glad you guys have joined us today for actually several conversations. Um, I met Craig and Heather several years ago, uh, first of all, because my children were involved in several of your camps and um, drama classes, which was life-changing for them, truly. And uh, just made me like be in awe of you all. And secondly, we worked together fairly closely on a large worship event uh, for several years in a row here called Worship Kentucky. And one of the things that you all helped us out with at our most recent one in 2019 was uh, dramatic scripture reading or dramatic scripture presentation in between the certain aspects of the day and it was electrifying so we're going to start today talking about how to do that well in a worship gathering um ways to do that practical ways to do that um who should present who should read um and, and just just things like that so thank you all so much for being with us today yes we're excited to be here yeah, and let me so say, I, would quickly, love- I, I, I want to just uh, add my affirmation to Craig and Heather. Uh, Heather came um, last Christmas, Christmas before, I don't know, one of those Christmases recently, um, and we did a drama that I wrote at, at our church, which was the largest scale drama production we've ever done at Woodburn. It was incredible, and so much of what made it incredible was not just Heather directing the drama, but the spiritual dynamic and insight that she brought to that. Uh, and then Craig stepped in, and I think he sang or played in about half of it, covering <laughs> all of the holes everywhere, because he just can. I play um, utility. Yeah, yeah. You, you are you are utility player, no doubt. Uh, banjo <laughs> and singing in the gospel quartet and acting, and oh my gosh, it was it was so fun. Um, but really, my takeaway from that whole experience was not just about the production, so to speak, um, but the the spiritual friendship that formed not just between me and Craig and Heather, but between so many of the folks in my ministry and, and the two of them. So that we have, um, we have not spent much time together recently, but we still feel this incredible rich connection. And that's mm-hmm. why when I said to Bethany, hey, hey, I just did this workshop on, on presenting scripture and worship. Who could we interview about that? She said, well, duh, Craig and Heather are the best people I know. And <laughs> I immediately went, oh, how did I not think of that? So absolutely. They are, and I am excited to learn from them in this conversation and think that this is one of the places where worship can take an added dimension in our churches that will um, really just open up possibilities for the Holy Spirit to work in ways that we have not, on, on our side of the equation, um, worked very hard to open that up. So I think this is going to be a dynamic and potentially transformative conversation for our churches. So. Craig and Heather, welcome. I'm so glad to have you guys as a part of this this deal. Thank you. Thank you. We 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 don't know everything for sure, but uh, God has given us the opportunity to learn so many things over these 25 plus years doing this, and we're excited to share it. 
right, Bethany? Maybe maybe it would be helpful for you all to describe because I did talk about working together at Worship Kentucky. So basically, we had different emphases for four different parts of the day, and you all took that and found scriptures and then you presented them so could you talk maybe a little bit about that process like how did you do that how did you choose you know what to do and when and and let's just maybe start there certainly um so we we chose scripture based on what it was that we were trying to communicate and um we very much felt it was important to begin with the scripture and then build everything else that we were doing the entire day around that, because the scripture really is, it is key. It is the foundation of, of what we're doing within the worship service. I mean, the scripture never returns void, and it, it guides our worship. As we hear these things from, from the Spirit, then we respond in our worship to what God has and is doing. And so those the scripture pieces were picked to sort of lead the worship for the people throughout the day. And then the songs and and the speakers and the other things sort of came in around the scripture to support that message. And, and so we picked different people to read the different scriptures and then just really began to look at what is being communicated about God, about man, uh, and how are we to respond to this thing here? And then, you know, as you look at it, it, it becomes for for an actor who is, you know, used to performing a piece of literature, it, it's very in, intuitive what is trying to be said there. And so then the way that you speak it is is fairly clear for an actor. For a lay person in the church, it's a, a, a different technique that, that needs to be learned, but it's beautiful and powerful when it is learned. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute, because I feel like in the church, there's sometimes a very negative connotation on performing like that, that makes it somehow fake. But what you're saying is that performing well, the spoken word of scripture is actually transformative or can be transformative. Yeah. I, I think there's a difference between, um, performing as if you're trying to draw attention to yourself, performing for an audience to draw attention to, look what I can do, as opposed to an actor interpreting scripture from the perspective of the author. So the actor is performing the scripture as the author, whoever the speaker is in scripture, um, getting behind the mindset of that writer and thinking of what are the emotions behind this and what are they feeling and what, uh, what is their circumstance and pouring all that into the words instead of just reading someone else's words. And that's the biggest difference. So it's not so much like you're trying to do a big performance, but presenting the words as if they came from your own heart and your own mind. And that just um, gives them depth and, and character that they don't have if someone's reading it cold. Uh, you know, I was asked to read the scripture today, and I haven't looked at it till I walked up to the podium, and I'm just going to try to read through it. Um, the, the actor who's gone and done the background work to know what is being said here and what is being felt here, and then pouring all that into the presentation of it mm. is a huge difference. I'd also add that 
really excellent performers, communicators, public speakers know that it's never about them. Mm-hmm. Your as as an excellent performer is to give something to the audience. So you are giving this gift, this this communication to them, and it is for them. It is not for you and what you receive from the audience. So keeping that in mind too, I think is helpful. Yeah, it's not much difference, I don't think, than a, a musical presentation. If you have a right. musician or a vocalist who's trying to show off their talents, <laughs> it's not enjoyable for the audience as much mm-hmm. as a performer who is feeling what they're what they're presenting. Um, mm-hmm. They're from their heart and making it real. That is so much better than even if they're not technically as talented. I think that's more enjoyable to to watch than someone who's trying to display their skills. Absolutely. I I think Rich Mullins was incredible, but he wasn't like the best singer, for example, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he felt it. Yeah. Or Andrew Peterson. Yes. Andrew Peterson. Keith Green. Green, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Craig, Heather, both of what you just talked about with performance um, reminds me of something I read recently, a book called The Uncommon Lector by George Miller. The subtitle of the book is Reading Scripture for in Public for Maximum Impact. And he tells this really short story. I'm going to quote the, the whole thing. It's, it's just a few sentences. A bright and skilled young, young communications professional began a scripture reading, speaking magnificently, articulating every syllable with perfect clarity varying her pitch beautifully, accelerating and slowing at just the right spots, and with a perfect balance of dramatization. Then an elderly woman slowly hobbled up to the pulpit for the second reading. As she began, her glasses slipped off her nose. She fumbled, adjusted them, and continued. Her voice was frail, but her pace erratic, her posture poor, her eye contact almost nil. But when she finished, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Said the puzzled first reader to the elder woman, how were you able to touch those people like that? I sure didn't. And the elder woman humbly answered, you knew the text. I knew the author. Yes. That's beautiful. Yes. Isn't that great? Absolutely. Yeah. And Craig, that's exactly what I thought of when you said that. We're not reading the scripture because we know the scripture. We're reading the scripture because we know the author. And we want that. We want that relationship to be exhibited in, in the way that we read so that it sounds like a letter from an old friend, not yes. from a, a reading from an encyclopedia or a textbook. And and really the, the deep theology behind that, I think, is that you can do the, the background study, the character study, understand who's saying this and why they're saying it. But if you don't understand that in your own heart and, and spirit, then you still cannot communicate the essence of it because you're trying to create something that you do not understand. Right. And we as, we as followers understand these deep spiritual things. And so that comes through in our delivery of it, which is why I think that, you know, as you're choosing people to lead worship, these people can't just be good artists. They've got Mm -hmm. to deep followers who understand what is, being communicated and who are worshiping themselves. Well, let me hit the timeout button right there and say, okay, so then what about, what about the new believer or what about the child or teenager who may not be at a place of theological depth? Do we include them in this kind of ministry? That's a really good question because. Go ahead. I think it's about the heart. Um, okay. 
I mean, I've heard audiobook, uh, audiobook Bibles that they've hired some great actor um, who's not a believer, and it's plastic. Uh, and you'd rather hear somebody that maybe struggles to pronounce Mephibosheth or something. But, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because they believe what they're reading is real. They believe that it's true. They feel it, whether they understand it completely or not. They're presenting it as something real and something important. And just that aspect, the heart, I think, is much more than uh, in the head in, in that case. And another key thing I, I think of when, when I ask people to, to do scripture readings are, are they prepared to handle with reference the word of God? Because this is not just a, a reading it's you are delivering the word of God, which never returns void. And you carry that with a great responsibility. So even a, a second grader, if they understand that you're stepping up and, and you are reading the very word of God that is going out to this en- entire audience, and that's a reverent thing. If they have that and, and the understanding of what they're doing, then they don't necessarily have to have the greatest talent. That reverence will then give them the desire to want to do it with excellence. And of course they will learn in their craft and do better and better. And there are certainly skills that they can learn, but goodness, I mean, the old adage is if, if only the best birds sang, then the, the forest would be a quiet place and, <laughs> and we need people to be doing this and, and learning to do it but the reverence and the heart behind it, if they step up with that, then the other things, you know, the spirit covers over those other things. How do you, so how you, do we find those people <laughs> or, or how do we nurture those people? Like, again, just thinking about the, the folks who are listening to this podcast probably has some kind of leadership role in ministry and worship ministry. Um, they may be a volunteer or part-time or full-time, um, but they're, they're probably trying to get people to do stuff like this. How do we, how do we identify them? Um, and, and how do we build into them? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one thing that I would say is that, you know, as you're, you're asking someone to do this, the first thing is the expectation that you put forth. I, I work with children a lot. <laughs> a large part of our ministry is working with children and we've done this for years and years and, and people will say to me, how did you get them to do that? And I say, well, they rise to the level of expectation. If you say this is a child and they can't, so I'm going to, you know, just only expect this much. Well, then they're going to give you what you expect. But if you say, I know you can, and here's what I expect. And so I think for leaders to set forth the expectation that when you are asked to read the scripture, this is an honor and a privilege it's a reverent responsibility, and here's what we expect. We expect that you wouldn't step up there and read it cold, that, that you would come prayerfully prepared. You have read over it. You've looked at it. You know what's going on here in the scripture. You know who said it, why they said it, what does it tell us about God. You would understand these things before you come to read the scripture. So I think the leadership laying down expectations ahead of time will make much better success when they go about doing it within their service. Yeah. And you just talking about leadership, like, you know, giving people 
not just expectations, but giving them encouragement, giving them feedback, uh, practicing, hopefully, yes. right? <laughs> All of those things. If it's yeah. someone experienced, then the leadership then may have to take a little extra time to help this person see, here's, here's what, maybe they don't know what the scripture means. Maybe they need some help with that. You know, it, to do anything better, it may take more time, more time mm-hmm. invested. Yeah, Bethany, you just said practice. It made me think, why do we practice songs that people wrote dozens of times, but we don't practice scripture that God wrote never? Like, there's some <laughs> discontinuity there, and, and we probably need yeah. to recover a little bit of that. Not not so that it comes across as slick, but so that it comes across as deeply known and, and yes. deeply yes, communicated. Well, and Craig uh, mentioned this several times about knowing what's being felt in the scripture. A lot of times we talk about singers communicating emotion, right? Like if it's a happy song, smile. You know, if it's like deeply penitent, like maybe don't smile, you know, (laughs) maybe look like you're penitent or repentant or sad or, you know, troubled. Um, And I think, you know, why don't we talk about that? Uh, when it comes to scripture reading, because scripture is full of the entire full range of life and all of the emotions that go with that. Absolutely. And I think one thing is that people say, well, I don't want it to be a performance. Well, if you buy into that, then you're losing the value of preparing with excellence, something that can can truly have a deeper impact. You know, anything that we do within the church, we, we model it, we teach people, we show them how it's to be done, and then we allow them the opportunities to do it and to fail and, you know, get better. But, but we wouldn't just say, you know, go be a youth leader, hope you get it right. You know, I mean, within the church, we, we model for people how they are to do things. And one really great way to do this is within your children's ministry. Go ahead and make that a core part of what you're doing, that children are reading the word out loud for the other children in the ministry. And then the leader can be talking about, you know, this is King David here. He, he's upset. He's really maybe even kind of angry with God right here. He's pouring out his anger to God. And then you see in the middle here, he kind of switches and it's like now he's at peace. And so as you're reading this, you know, you can have sort of an angry, excited voice at the beginning, and then you can kind of feel him in his words calming down and saying, but Lord, you are mighty and just, you know, you, you can feel the transition and you, we can teach children to do this and giving them the opportunity to do it there within a Sunday school classroom, within the, the children's ministry meetings, then they're ready to do it within the church service. I think maybe some of the adversity to the word performance is because it has this connotation associated with it that has something to do with the ability of the performer where we live in this, you know, American Idol culture now and everybody, everybody's performance all the time. Like suddenly we now turn on the television just to judge people. And wow. I think that that transfers to you know, to the church when someone steps up to sing or someone steps up to speak, that the culture in us says we should be grading them somehow. And so I think maybe maybe instead of performance, we should be saying this is a, a presentation of the word. This is an interpretation of the word. 
um, because performance, just that connotation tends to point at the person and not at the message. Mm -hmm. Good point. I love that. Suddenly we turn on the TV now just to judge people. Like, oh my God, how convicting. Yeah, that's just so insightful though. Wow. So why? So can you, yeah, why? Can you give us... Sorry. Go ahead, Bethany. No, go. Some, some practical examples of different ways to present scripture. So, I mean, obviously within the church service and... And really, this is something the liturgical church does beautifully. I mean, they understand the value of of a thought-out service where sort of everything flows together. And even many liturgical churches are going through in the church year the entire word. That's a beautiful thing that I think, you know, some churches that aren't liturgical churches, they miss out some of that value. I mean, certainly it's true the other way also, but but the reading of scripture before the sermon, after the sermon, before prayer, during a prayer. I mean, God's word is, is useful in all of these places. And so I think just as a leadership team deciding that we are going to incorporate more reading of the word at different places in our service, however our services is set up is certainly a good way to go about doing that. And and there are different opinions as to whether the the scripture reading needs to go with the sermon or whether does it matter if you know what the sermon is about. And I would say that it works beautifully when the scripture reading goes along with the sermon, which goes along with the music, which goes along with the prayer. I mean, we are guiding people on a worship experience where the learning is building on itself. The worship is building on itself. And and that's the most beautiful way to learn. When we learn where everything is incorporated all together and it's supporting each other. However, the spirit can totally work, you know, when the pastor's sermon has nothing to do with the scripture reading. It can certainly work that way. And and of course, God does what he wants to do. We've been a part of things where it wasn't planned together. And we think, wow, look what the spirit did. We had no idea you were going to read, sing that song. Uh, so we can't discount that, but he's an orderly God. And he has made us to be able to plan and order things in such a way that it makes for this beautiful picture coming together when the scripture reading works with the other elements of the service. It's really yeah. artistic, incredible. <laughs> And it works really well. This is just one, one, one case. You know, it works really well for a worship leader to insert scripture readings between songs. So you finish a song, and instead of ending the music and having a gap before you start the next song, you let the instrumental flow, and someone steps up to heartfully present mm-hmm. scripture um, that leads right into the next song. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be coordinated by the whole church but the worship leader has uh, the ability to fit those in that go along with the songs um or you know at the request of a pastor however it works but that's a beautiful moment when you're already you're singing you're in worship and um then the scripture is poured out that just magnifies what you've been singing about 
and gives God's perspective in addition to man's words that we've been seeing. And, and it's a great way to incorporate people that aren't musicians. You know, often I think people that are not musicians or singers think, do I really have a part in the service? And being able to utilize them in that way between the songs, is just greater use of the body makes people feel a part of it. And you can utilize you know, all different ages of people as well. So it's a really great idea. And that sounds very much like what Paul describes in First Corinthians 14. If anyone has a word, it's not if the best singer has a word. Yes. You know, and <laughs> and it's, it's the word of God that we bring. And so certainly we can have broader involvement. And it becomes more the worship of the church instead of the worship of the platform when, when that happens. So absolutely. Uh, and I love... And that's that's one of the reasons I asked. And I, um, full disclosure, I knew your answer early on when I asked about children and youth, because I know that you work with children and youth. I know what you were going to say. Um, but <laughs> I think that's an important thing for us to process together, because those that's one of the great places we can use children and youth who may not be able to preach yet. And they may. If so, you know, get them up there. And they may not be ready to play guitar yet. If they can, get them up there by all means. But they can probably read Psalm 100. Mm-hmm. And especially if they've got three weeks to work on it at home and, and their parents yes. are helping them and they'll probably memorize it if they've got three weeks. And then, holy cow, how does that raise the bar for all the adults who get out there and are reading something? Exactly. Like that right. all the time. So, yeah. And, and that, yeah, bringing broader involvement includes age groups as well as just people who aren't musicians. Go ahead, Craig. And something simple like having some music under the reading can really, Help, especially an inexperienced reader, because the music helps feed the emotion and it helps feed the speaker as well. So if the music is swelling, it's easier to put stronger emotion into the, the reading um, than when it's just you and it's dry and it's all on your shoulders to present emotion. That really can help um, the, the reader to emote more, having music with it. Yeah, and this is a a whole different discussion, but setting your reader up for success, setting any yeah. performer up for success, you, because you want them to feel confident about it. If they are not confident, then all of a sudden it's about them. And it can't be about the audience, which is who it is supposed to be about or about God, which is who it is supposed to be about. So when you don't set your reader up for success or your performer, then really you, you have barriers to worship. You know, when somebody gets up and they're trying to sound out words because they've never looked at the scripture before and they're, they're, you know, hitching here and there all through it, all of a sudden all you're thinking about is, wow, how do you pronounce that word? Is it, you know, <laughs> we're not, we're not worshiping. We are just thinking about the reader or the word. And so you want them to be prepared enough that they are successful and and the worship that you're trying to instigate is successful. I love how you keep talking about worship because even though this is a worship podcast for worship leaders or people in worship ministry, which normally means music, uh, we try to say often, I think on here that worship is much more than just music. Worship is mainly a response to God. 
And uh, as you all have said over and over today, reading God's word aloud is worship. Listening to God's word read aloud, presented in a beautiful, compelling way, it, it um, evokes worship in us as a response to these beautiful mm-hmm. words and these beautiful thoughts from a beautiful God. Amen. Um, backtrack with me for a minute. Simon Sinek wrote a really famous book in the business world called Start With Why. Um, why should we use more scripture in worship gatherings? And, and Heather, you mentioned liturgical traditions. You're right. Um, I have for most of my life been really frustrated with Baptists because I am one. And it's <laughs> often easy to hear one verse of scripture in an entire worship service. And that's all that you get. At Woodburn, now we use scads and scads of scripture more than any church I've ever been in that wasn't liturgical. And and that process has happened very gradually over the last seven and a half years. Um, but it's one of my favorite things about my church. We had a, a guest at our church this past Sunday, um, mid twenties. I uh, asked him afterwards, you know, what stood out to you about the service? And he said, the first thing he said was, I love how much scripture there was. Wow. This is, a, this is a young man that grew up in a Baptist church. His dad's in ministry. But what struck him about our church, and we have one of the most amazing preachers ever, and he gave one of his most amazing sermons ever on Sunday. But his first thing was, I loved how much scripture there was in the service. That notwithstanding, from, from your all's perspective, why, why use more scripture? What, what's the benefit of that for the worship leader who already can't get everything done they need to get done? <laughs> well, I mean... Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, that's the gospel. If, if anything, church leaders have got to get the gospel to people, and we have no idea what they're going home and doing. We don't know that the people sitting in our pews every Sunday morning are ever opening their Bibles anywhere else. That's huge. And so if we've got one time each week to get them something, it's got to be the gospel. It's got to be as much of the word as we can give to them because we don't know that they're getting it anywhere else because of that. Because obviously this is God's word that he gave to us. It's holy and pure. It's better than any words we can come up with. It, it never returns void. It is the most powerful way to communicate God's truths. And like Bethany was saying uh, referring to worship as our response to God. Well, let's give the people something to respond to. When they come to a service, if we're asking them to worship, give them something to respond to. Give them the good news. Give them the promises of God. Let them see that he is good so that the response is real and not just uh, recited. Um, I, I think of the scripture where they they. Um, it's failing me where this is now, but they they rebuilt the temple, and there's the reading of the entire word to that point. You know, just dry reading. I don't know. There might have been music, but hours of reading, and the people respond and just utter worship, just falling on their knees and worshiping. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's in Nehemiah eight, and it's Ezra who stands to read, and. Uh, the reaction of the people is multi-layered and multifaceted, and it it results in not only their conviction but also their celebration. So at the end of it, they're they're ready to stay and have a feast and just enjoy the presence of God. Which yes. who doesn't yeah. want church to be like that? 
you know, where nobody wants to leave. And instead we want to stay and be together with one another and with God and have a feast. And that just sounds like the way church ought to be. And, and that was only because Ezra stood and the people stood. That's where that tradition comes from. And then he read the book of the law, which for most of us, we think, really, that's what you're going to get excited about. <laughs> Give hey. me some Philippians or Ephesians or something, but I don't want Leviticus. Not Deuteronomy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, by the way, listeners, don't you know why now we love Heather and Craig so much? Because this is so good. Um, when you guys were just talking about reading and, and the way that we read in church, uh, I had the same thought for the second time, so I figured I better stop and say it. I, it's, it's this thought of modeling. If we read scripture on a Sunday morning in a way that is boring and uninteresting, why in the world would anybody go home and read it for themselves? Right. But if on a Sunday morning we read it and it is so full of life that somebody can't wait to go home and say, I want to read that again, then mm -hmm. we are encouraging people to do the spiritual discipline that for all of the history of the church has, has had the most effect on people. And we can either contribute to that or we can detract from that. And I think one of the whys we could say for reading scripture in a compelling way on Sunday morning is so that we, we just wet people's whistle and make them want to go home and find out more. Exactly. And I don't, I don't know that I had had that thought before the last 10 minutes of this conversation, but I'm so grateful for that because I think it can help us uh, and, and really maybe be convicting, but even more so be compelling of how are we going to stand in front of people and read anything from the Bible the next time we get up to do that. Not that it's up to us, but God does entrust us with that work. Is that is that fair? Yes, that's beautiful. And and I think too that the culture has such a narrative going right now that they are speaking to us on billboards and on radios and in our homes and in our magazines. Like they are presenting a narrative constantly that is contrary to God's word. So we have got to be speaking his narrative every chance that we get because people don't know what God's word says. And so that's one reason why they're quick to believe the narrative the world gives us because they don't truly know what God says about these things. So we've got to be presenting his word so that people know what he has to say. He speaks on every issue at play in our world today, obviously, but when know what he has to say about it they begin to assume things that are not true and we want to give them the truth everywhere that we can well i hope listeners that this has made you want to hope for a part two and the good news is there's a part two coming shortly um, <laughs> before we get to part two which will be a more about drama than about scripture which is um really where i have experienced most of craig and heather's brilliance um i would is there a passage? Do you guys have a Bible handy? Could you read something for us? Something familiar? Something that you're not having to try to figure out how to pronounce the words? Um, and really, it could be just about anything. But I would love for our, our listeners to just hear your voice um, saying something that, that is holy in a way that's different from the conversation we've been having that's been holy. In the, in the meantime, um, let me just say, listeners, we're going to wrap the podcast with the reading. So I just want to remind you to like and share and review and rate and all of those things. So every soul sings, remember we're trying to build a tribe of people. We're really wanting to gather um, lots of us worship folks together. 
who will do things in such a way that it compels souls to sing. And as we've been saying throughout this entire conversation, so much of that can happen because the word of God is what prompts our souls to sing. I, I suspect you've had that experience as a worshiper, either in private or in public, um, either when you were sitting at home reading and you just couldn't help yourself and you broke out into song, or when you were in church and somebody read something and the song that came after it came alive for, for you in a way that it hadn't before. Just remember that as you're, as you're preparing to lead, as you're planning, as you're a part of a team, just remember that other people may not have had that experience. That may not be their norm yet, but for you, for all folks, it can be. So help us spread the word. Share this podcast episode itself. Uh, if there's somebody you know of, your pastor maybe, or another worship leader in town, somebody that you're friends with, if you think it would encourage their journey, then share this episode and we will be very, very grateful. If you have suggestions, ways that you do this at your church, um, email me, rodellis at gmail.com or text me, call me 502-229-0114. I'd love to have more conversation about it. All right, would you guys close us out? Okay, this is um, Psalm 51. I grabbed this because I presented this before. Hopefully I didn't pick up a wildly different translation here. Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. And you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop. And I will be clean. Wash me. And I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. And give me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways. And sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God. The God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humbled heart. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Amen and amen.